I'm joined today on Football CFB by the host of Monday Night Football and Super Sunday, Dave Jones. Thanks for joining me, Dave. I can't believe I've got you on. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Callum. I'm just admiring that picture behind you, thinking how nice it would be to be able to get out uh, of my little London suburb and explore some of those places again. Absolutely. It's How are you coping with the lockdown? It's I know you've been doing some LinkedIn live videos and I saw you did an interview with, with Mickey Quinn as well the other day. Uh, Mickey from London, yeah, I did. Um, I've done a bit with the Sky as well. We're, we're sort of working, working out how we get through this period because at the moment we're still not sure how long it's going to last. And um, there might be something else I'm doing later today, but it's all very last minute and, and off the off the hoof a little bit because we're we're relying on the good nature of a lot of people uh, to to join us in situations like this. Um, so I'm just trying to make myself as as busy as possible, really, and and keep my my brain ticking over because I think it's important that we try and do that. You've got to try and separate. I think the the weekends from the working week. Give yourself some structure and. Um, I think that helps in, in terms of your, your mental health capacity as well. I would absolutely agree with that. I think it's important during a time like this, and you've certainly been doing it to stay as creative as you can, because if you keep, can keep yourself busy, even though we're indoors, it could be a, a really good time to be creative and, and really challenge yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, I try and think with a positive attitude that there will be some good that comes out of this situation. And it's hard to, to say that when you see so many people dying on a daily basis, um, but hopefully we emerge to world when when the darkness finally clears. Absolutely, and what I want to talk to you about, Dave, is first of all you're into broadcasting. We all know you from Monday Night Football and Super Sunday. We'll come to those soon. But how did you get involved in broadcasting? Was it always a passion of yours? Um. Probably not the broadcasting element. I always wanted to be a journalist, Callum. So, you know, even from a very early age, I was I was thinking of ways of, of how to explore that passion. Um, and for me, it was a question of getting work experience as much as I possibly could, where, wherever, wherever I possibly could. From the age of about 14 onwards, I was dipping my toe into newspapers and then had some experience around... Um, television briefly radio more so I think I think I probably thought that radio was a really good medium at that time and wanted to explore that and um, for whatever reason that didn't quite work out for me uh, but I, I had a real passion for for newspapers and so I pursued that as, as my career goal really and did a, a history degree then a postgrad course in newspaper journalism and, and took the first job really that came up which was for me, the Derbyshire Times in Chesterfield, which was a weekly newspaper, you got to do everything. Um, you had time to do it. And um, it was a really good grounding, a really good grounding. And and the broadcasting thing didn't happen for a, for a while after that. I'd, I'd done that for two years before I responded to an advert that, that Sky were, were putting out there looking for a whole team of people for the launch of Sky Sports News. And at that time, I, I felt ready for for the challenge, ready for the step up. Um, and I took the plunge and was very lucky to, to get a job there. And then it was a question of, of learning about broadcasting as I went through, really. Um, I didn't know that I would be suited to it uh, until I tried it. But um, the crossover was pretty straightforward for me. You mentioned the fact that the crossover was straightforward. You 
came on to our screens more and more over the years. First of all, as you say, with Sky Sports News and then Saturday Night Football with Jamie Redknapp was a big one, I remember. Was that the first real big break for you then? Uh, you could look at it like that, Callum. I mean, I, I was very fortunate because I sort of progressed through the ranks at Sky Sports News and, and became a presenter there when I was quite young and was really thrust onto the afternoon slot, which I did with Georgie Thompson at the time. And it was three till seven, uh, Monday to Friday. So that's 20 hours broadcasting every week, which was a fantastic opportunity to, to really learn my trade, um, learn how to speak on camera, learn the, the various different skills around television journalism, uh, presenting as opposed to newspapers or radio. And from there, really, I, I managed to get my first big strand, which was uh, football league coverage. So what year would that have been? Um, probably around about, I shouldn't know this, but around about the top of my head, 2007, eight, I suppose, something like that. I, I took over a new strand of, of the football league, which, which at that point, occupied an evening slot and that was the first time that really Sky invested heavily in that product I think ar around that slot and that was me and Peter Beagree we did that for three years going around the country every Saturday uh, hosting games from pitch side learning so much about football um, from Peter who was a really great teacher and that that proximity that you got to EFL clubs stood me in really good down the line um, was a fantastic learning ground, a little bit like Derbyshire Times in some respect. Uh, and it was only after that that um, I managed to get some Premier League experience because Sky were very protective of, of, of that product and, and who worked on it. So that didn't come till 2010, I think, I started to work on the Premier League while Richard Keyes was still there, um, doing the odd game here and there. And yeah, then after that, then, then Saturday Night Football was the big, for me, the big break in terms of presenting my own Premier League uh, live football, which was, again, a fantastic opportunity, learning to work in front of a live audience, which was <laughs> quite challenging at times. Uh, I'm not sure I quite mastered that, but very interesting to see how people respond to you in the flesh than, than, um, than watching you on television. Uh, and it was great fun working with, with Jamie, who, again, I, I learned an awful lot from. In terms of hosting Saturday Night Football, you mentioned the live audience aspect of it. How much preparation goes into a show like that for you as the host? Um, I'm not sure the, the live audience really affects that. But um, for me, the uh, the challenge is always the same, regardless of, of how many people are watching it. Um what size the game is, you know, that, that people would think, uh, what size the game that people would think that it is. I always put in the same amount of preparation, Callum. So yeah. um, I have, you know, what I, what I would call quite a forensic approach to, to the live games that I present. Uh, I take everyone as seriously as another. Um, we have, we're lucky to have a team of stats people who produce big, thick documents of stats. And I'll wade through that on a Thursday or a Friday. And from that, I'll really condense it into, into if I've got one game, I'll have it on maybe one, one side of A4 and I'll have um, I'll have the, the teams that had been playing the last game across the top. So when the team news comes out, I'll know straight away the changes um, without anyone having to, to tell me or spending valuable minutes working out what changes have been made. And then really I'll have a column down both sides about each team with, with bullet points um, that I think are really pertinent to that particular game, whether it's the form of the teams, 
um, the last three results, the top scorers, uh, whatever it is. You know, there are some real pearls of information that our stats team, team can produce. And then I'll be listening to the press conferences as well. And I'll, I'll maybe write down a few of the what I think are the key quotes from, from the managers in the build up to the game. And really, it's a case of building up a narrative in my own head. Every game I treat as a story uh, and you go into it like a journalist. What is the story? Um, well, it's it's this and, and this game is set up because of this. And then you have to sort of think ahead a little bit and, and work out the potential scenarios. If they win or if they win or if that team loses or if it's a draw even, what does that mean? And what might those conversations become post-match? So I'm always trying to think ahead, always trying to get ahead of, of um, potential situations before they arise. You mentioned um, the preparation you put in and it's really important, as you've said, it comes across really well. And Saturday night football was a success. Ed Chamberlain obviously was doing the Super Sundays and the, the Monday night football. Ed then moves on to Pastures New. When the opportunity came up to host Monday night football and to be the lead for Super Sunday, just how exciting was that for you? Um, yeah, it was exciting, Callum. And uh, I remember the conversation that I had with my boss who took me out for lunch and... Um, there was there was a lot of talk internally that it was going to happen, but I I didn't take anything for granted because I'm working for a huge corporation and and really they could have the pick of anybody for a, for a job like that because it's it's one of the jobs in in um, sports broadcasting. So I, I was well aware that um, if it did come my way, I was going to be incredibly fortunate. But I have to say, you know, I felt I'd earned it as well. And I don't that opportunity. So as well as excitement about it, there was there was um, a feeling that I was ready. I was ready for the challenge. Um, for me, it was, I suppose, the most difficult thing was adjusting to working with different producers because there had been one set producer that I'd been working with on the Saturday night football. And now I was going to be working with another producer who had been effectively Ed's producer for the previous three years. And he had a very different way of working. Um, so the challenge for me was, was adapting to that. Now that that guy didn't hang around for too long. He was only there for a further six months or so. And then it was um, another producer that, that came in who I'd worked with previously and, and probably knew better uh, how to get the best out of me. Um, so it was it was interesting that sort of period and um, a big learning curve, big learning curve as well. And you, and you realise straight away when you go into Super Sunday and Monday Night Football that suddenly there are more eyeballs on you. There is a greater expectation. And um, hopefully, having been there for over three years, that um, I've I've managed to managed to deliver on those expectations. Well, I, I would say, in my personal opinion, you absolutely have. And what I want to talk to you about is Monday Night Football. It's arguably the flagship show that Sky have in the sense that four hours, it's live, which adds another crucial element in terms of obviously the analysis and being on, on air for so long. Just how nervous were you or were you nervous before your first Monday night football? I was terrified. I was terrified, Callum. And um, I always think sometimes those anxieties because I've worked out probably 20 years ago that if I could do that, if I could actually work out what it was I was anxious about, then I would find it easy to control the anxiety. And I suppose around my job in television, it was it was a case of um, controlling the controllables, which was all the preparation. I could do all the preparation in the world and have a very clear thought in my mind about 
what questions I was going to ask to whom at what point. Um, but you still, it's live. It's that live element. You still don't get the team news until, well, at that time, you got the team news at seven o'clock. So we were going on air at seven o'clock. So that was great uncertainty about that element of the production. And um, when I first started doing it, we had this uh, way of delivering the team news where the, the players would appear around me and I would walk through the players. But of course, they weren't actually there, the players. That was, that was all um, virtual reality. So I remember being really nervous about that element of the program and making sure I got that bit right because that was a bit I was really focused on in my head because it wasn't just walking through the players and saying oh he's playing and he's playing it was delivering a bit of um some stats about each player or, or a relevant theme on each player as I walked through uh, looking at the right place at the same time to a hologram so it's quite a complex thing to to try and master and because you don't, because it's live and you're only getting the teams, you don't really get to practice it. I, I remember we got halfway through that first hour. It got okay. Got into the break and they said, right, Dave, you've got three minutes to, to rehearse this team news. And um, I just couldn't, there was just nothing in my brain. I just couldn't find it. I just couldn't work out who was playing left back and who was playing right back and getting my left and right confused. And I was, and I could sense that there was, there was a, a great nervousness in the gallery as well that this could really go badly wrong and then um the red light came back on i was live delivered the the bits of, uh, of link that i wanted to get into that team news and suddenly it just it came in my head and boom i was away and um managed to carry that off and uh, i remember my producer um as i walked across to to carry on interviewing jamie and gary carry on talking to them i remember my, my producer in my ear just just saying to me you bloody nailed that son <laughs> uh, and, and that sort of sense of whew, that that relief um that i got through it and um yeah i was away you mentioned um, jamie and gary what are they like to work with because they're incredibly big personalities in their own right aren't they they are but they're good fun callum you know they they are people who really care um, they're quite unique in the sense that they they are so brilliantly adept at shifting from light to shade, as we call it in broadcasting, where they can be having a laugh one minute and, and talking seriously or arguing the next. Uh, it, it really helps that they get on. And, and there is professional rivalry amongst all our guys because everyone wants to be the best. This, this is what they're this is what they're about anyway in terms of their their sporting pedigree. But uh, they're like brothers in that sense. You know, they can they can be challenging each other and bickering and da da da. And then the next minute they're off and having a laugh together in the canteen. Um, you know, they get really well, and that helps. The nice thing about the Monday night football days, you get to spend the whole day with them. Um, and sometimes, you know, those big personalities can crash into the room and, and want to be heard for an hour. But by the time you go on air at, at seven o'clock, everyone is very, very focused on, on what we're trying to deliver, which is a, a really polished, um, in-depth, analytical, top-of-the-league football show. In terms of the day of Monday Night Football, obviously it starts at 7, ends at 11, but describe the day in general, what's behind it, because I read Melissa Reddy's piece when she um, visited Monday Night Football and the attention to detail is unbelievable. Yeah, I think a lot of people are surprised by the length of the day it is, and I suppose that was always the tradition of Monday Night Football from a, from a long way back. Um, 
that there was a meeting at, at 10 a.m. Now, that sometimes produces logistical problems because we'll, we'll often have been in, well, the guys are from Liverpool and Manchester for a start. So they'll have to travel, be it on the Sunday night or early on the Monday morning. So they might have got to train down at six or seven o'clock in the morning um, from the northwest. The same with me, because I might have been doing a Super Sunday up there till late. Um, and then so we'll have a production meeting at 10. And, and really, that's when we we bashed out all our ideas. Now, for the producer, Jack and his sort of um, head stats guy, Will, they'll have been in on in Sky in the studios on the Sunday uh, preparing um, some really detailed information about games or particular points of analysis that they think might be relevant to our boys. Now, they're never going to say to Gary, you've got to do an analysis of this or Jamie, you've got to do that because the beauty of what they're doing is it comes from comes from them. It's it's their own thoughts on it and you can lead them to the water, but it's up to them whether they, they take it or not. Um, so we go through that process. We'll sit there and, and sometimes that's very heated, that debate uh, at 10 o'clock. It can be a really interesting discussion in itself. Uh, and I'll challenge the boys at, at that meeting in the same way that I do um, live on air because I want to work out what arguments they're trying to build. I want to work out what questions I might use that elicits the best response from them when we are actually live. Um, we'll break up. I'll go off and, and do some scripting, um, think about um, some of the ways I'm going to get in and out of breaks, what I'm going to say at the start of the programme, how I might introduce each different subject of analysis. And also I've got to focus on the game as well. The boys themselves will be worried more about their analysis at that stage rather than the actual live game that's being played. So I'm the guy that's really driving that information and, and working out the narrative of, of the actual live match. Um, the key thing is, is we all get together again for spin class or some exercise at, at about one o'clock and then we'll have lunch together. And then we'll sort of, from there, it's we're all together. We're, we're in rehearsals at half three. We'll have a little break. We'll have a sit down, have a cup of tea in the green room and, and have a good gossip. And um, and then we'll get suited and booted and, and get in the studio for half six to, to crack on. You mentioned the spin fit class, just how competitive are they? And, and do you join in with that competition as well? Well, I don't like to say too much, Callum, but... Um, I'm not bad at spinning. I may not have been a sportsman, but um, I have beaten Carragher in the last couple. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's 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 nice, actually, because if we were outside running, then I'd probably be left behind. Uh, and and Carragher's in fantastic shape. They both are, actually. They're both in really good shape. I think they, they are footballers who are very... When they finish, that doesn't mean they're going to stop training. So they... they um, find room in their daily routines to to train and so they're they're in both in fantastic shape as you as you probably saw with jamie in a couple of these these uh charity matches he's played in recently but yeah it's it's good for me because they are competitive and um it, it encourages me to stay in decent shape as well in terms of both of them and yourself they were obviously massive rivals for so many years but they appear to on screen have an incredible rapport, and out, off screen are they also really good friends now, despite the rivalries they once had. Yeah, like I said, they're, they're like brothers, Callum. You know, they're they um, there's the rivalry, I suppose, as as to who can do the best analysis, but that doesn't really feel like competitive rivalry. They're they're out for producing good analysis for the benefit of the program, and um, they'll have a laugh. They just, you know, Gary is very infectious as a personality, and and um. You know, you, you sort of might have one idea of him as being 
someone who's quite grumpy or whatever but he's 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 just funny he's just a funny bloke to be around and um you know it's, it's just nice to spend time with and it's the same with with jamie who is so dedicated to it he's he, he wants to be the best he can be he's, he's he's very proud about the fact that no one's going to know more than than him about any particular players or subjects around football he's very studious uh, both really bright guys um but uh, both have that really nice engaging personality as well on air you have mentioned the fact that you are more than happy to challenge them in your role as a presenter and they also challenge each other how important is it to make sure you're always in control of managing that? Um, yeah, I've got to be in control because effectively I'm the producer's eyes and ears as well. And the producer would get very nervous if he felt that the programme was careering out of control. There'll be times when I sit back and, and uh, the phrase I would use is let it breathe. When, uh, you know, I, I'm not someone who, and I have seen these presenters out there, people in our field who... Um, want to be involved all the time, feel like they have to be, seem to be asking questions all the time. Um, but it's not about them. It's not about me. It's about what these guys bring to it. It's, a, it's about their passions and, and their uh, understandings. And I don't, I've, I've, up to this point, pretty much avoided giving my opinion on on anything, um, football or football related or not in, in the, in the oh, how many years, 15 years or whatever I've been a presenter. So, um, yeah, sometimes I'll just sit back and let it breathe, and and that's when you can have the best discussions, the best arguments. But it's it's knowing, and this comes from experience. It's knowing when to step in. It's knowing when to say, right, I think we've pushed that argument to its limits. Let's let's add this angle to it. Let's what about this aspect of it? Um, that's in, that's important, and that that's just feel, Callum, really that that comes from experience and uh, having done it for a few years. Absolutely. The experience is vital. As you've mentioned, you've been doing it for years and getting better year on year. I'm sure you would agree. One of the elements I'm interested to ask you about is in recent years, you've added a lot more guests to the Monday Night Football experience with Jamie. And obviously, I know Gary still comes on now and again as well. How has that changed the dynamic? And when a guest comes into that environment, considering they're not a regular, do you have to change your preparation to, to, to welcome them in? Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a fair point. The day would change only as far as um, it would just be Jamie and I, because because we're both mainstays. So uh, we would tend to welcome the guest at around about four o'clock, I suppose, four or five o'clock. We would still have the same day and then they just come to it later. Uh, it becomes a, it becomes different because we don't know until and what I will do in, in the rehearsal, if they join us for the rehearsal, and this happened with Sven, um, it happened with, uh, I'm trying to think who we've had recently, it happened with Roy Keane. Um, I, I will just feel them out a little bit in that rehearsal just, just to try and work out what they think about certain aspects that we might be talking about around our analysis so that I, I, would, I would try and work out whether it would be worth it when we do go live, if I'm getting an opinion on on x y or z and um sometimes what will happen is I'll, I'll hear a real gem in that rehearsal which i'll bank and i'll go right I, okay so when i get to this point i'm going to ask this person that because i know i'm going to get this really good response um so i suppose in in that sense you probably have to think a little bit more on your feet when there's a, a new guest in and also you're building your program a little bit more around them um certainly the last half an hour of the program so that that then invokes a, an entirely different sort of preparation because 
you want, depending on how we approach it, but uh, for example, with Svenja and Ericsson, we did this with, with various others at, at various points. We'll take them on a little bit of a career journey. This is what you did then and da, 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 da. Um, and so you need to know that subject quite well to be able to ask them questions about it. So if I get enough notice, I'll have read their biographies. Uh, I will have read what various players made of their approaches or, you know, try to get a rounded build up, um, a rounded preparation in my head about that that subject, that special subject, who is who is the whoever that special guest is. Um, so you're not shooting blind because I, I hate doing that as a presenter. And that going back to one of your previous questions is when I do get anxious, um, when I don't feel like I have controlled the controllables um, and I don't know enough about the person sitting next to me. In terms of working with the guests, working on Super Sunday, what's it like for you working alongside the likes of Roy Keane, Graham Souness, the boys in Monday Night Football, and when Josie Mourinho was in? Being a massive football fan yourself, I would never say when you starstruck, because you've been in this game a long time, I'm sure those days are, are well gone, but are you ever in awe of a person the first time you meet them in the sense that I cannot believe I'm sharing a studio with you? Uh, no, <laughs> I can't say that I've ever been starstruck by people that I've worked with, Callum. Um, I suppose when I stepped into the Premier League, I did notice the sort of the calibre of, of people I was working with was stepping up as well. And, and yeah, the first few weeks of that, um, you, you do have to adjust to it and, and it does take some getting used to. But I couldn't be doing my job. I don't think effectively if I was starstruck, if I was that kind of character. Um, obviously, I'm aware of these the size of these personalities, but you, you can't be fearful of them at the same time. Um, I suppose one of the things that uh, Sky have liked about my work over the last couple of years is that we have they have thrown in these huge characters like Roy Keane and Jose um, Vincent Company and, and and so on and and I don't get phased by it. It doesn't worry me who I'm working with. Um, now those relationships get easier over time. Of course they do. So so when I when I worked with Roy for the first time, I was very fortunate that I had 15 minutes with him by myself in the studio before anyone else was there, and that was just a coincidence. He walked in when I was happened to be going through some lines in my head, um, and we had a, a really nice 15 minutes, and and that sort of broke the ice on that with with Jose. Uh, I had lunch with him the Friday before the start of the season. Um, we went to an Italian restaurant in in Victoria area and um, just talk talk football and and again broke the ice. So when I saw him on the Sunday, it was not a, a first meeting; it was a, car a continuation, if you like, of the conversation that we we'd left off on the Friday. Um, you've got to be able to to handle these guys, and but you also have to earn their respect as well, and. To do that, it's it's not a question of, of being the, the fool and, and laughing and joking. It's For me, it's just a case of, do you trust me? Am I a solid professional? Yep, fine. Okay, let's let's work together and crack on. That's a brilliant advice, I must say, and I really appreciate that. In terms of Roy in particular, I know he was a guest in Monday Night Football recently. He's not short of an opinion or two. What's that like when you're in the live setting, when, when Roy maybe came out with something... It, it's brilliant, and uh, sometimes you come to expect it, Callum. But it's it's they're best delivered when they do take you by surprise. <laughs> and sometimes you know he'll throw one in, and and it, my natural reaction is to laugh because it gets so funny the way he delivers it. <laughs> so I've got to hold back sometimes of the laughter, and then it oh, you look back and you think, oh my god, that is so 
cutting what he just said about that player. And then I start to think, well, maybe I should actually be defending them. But it, it, in that situation where you're talking about something completely different, and then suddenly he throws one in about someone being weak or lacking courage or whatever it is, and it's completely blindsides you. It's very hard to to think on your feet in that in those um, in those moments and come up with a, a balanced response. It, it's it's quite challenging, but. You know, I think it's brilliant when Roy was at his best, when he and Cara went toe to toe. And um, that was a, a case for me of sitting back and, and letting the magic happen and knowing when to to step in, being able to communicate through sign language with, with, with my producer and my director, just let it go, leave it, leave it. Because they were sort of saying, you need to get to a break. And I was like, let this go, let this go um, and see where it takes us. And it was it was TV gold. Absolutely. And I'm interested to ask you actually then about the advert break scenario. When you go to a break, how do you what did what do the guys do as pundits and what do you do as a presenter? Are you in that three or four minutes preparing something, or is that time to breathe and, and get ready for coming back on? You don't relax really, Callum, on a super Sunday from from sort of 9.30 in the morning till 7.30 at night, you know, you, there's never a break where I go into and go, ah, I can relax for a couple of minutes now. I'm constantly thinking about what's next. So that might be a bit of VT that the the guys in the trucks want to, want to show me uh, that's coming up. There might be some instructions that I need to take about an interview that I need to get into or what someone said in a particular interview or the bits of analysis or the order of the analysis that we're going to go through. Um, for me, it's a little bit of a checklist. I'll have had a little bit of a mental checklist about the subjects that I want to tackle. Have I done this? Have I done that? Have I missed anything out here? What's the story? Is there anything I'm missing? Um, you might, you might, if it's quiet, and again, this comes down to feel, if, if it's a quiet studio, I might try and throw a little hand grenade in there during the break when they know that the cameras aren't rolling just to see if I'm getting any reaction from anyone that I can use when we do go live. Um, so sometimes I'm trying to generate those conversations. And often, you know, if it's a lively studio, um, those conversations won't stop when, when the break happens and they're, they're still going to and fro. And for me, it's, it's a question of remembering who said what. Uh, again, so I can go to the right person and, and get the response that I think is, is really interesting. Something I've got to ask you about in a later note is um, the bottle of champagne that Josie Mourinho gifted you. Um, how nice was it? <laughs> Well, it's still downstairs, uh, <laughs> uh, which Graham Sunet is really unhappy about because it was a uh, it was funny because we had this. Um, oh, what game was it? It might have been Liverpool Man City. I'm thinking, um, yeah. and company was there, and Roy Keane was there. Graham Sunet and, and uh, Jose, and Roy had organised a sweep for us, so. Um, Roy Roy loves this. Roy loves getting involved in all this stuff. So he'd organised the sweep and he'd written down uh, the scores and we had to have a go each as to predicting the scores. So I can't remember what the score was or how it went. But um, I think Graham Tunes won the, the sweep. So they all spoke to pay 20 quid. And uh, I didn't have any cash on me. So he was disappointed about that. Roy paid up straight away. Vincent Company disappeared back to Belgium and 
and, <laughs> and then emailed the next day to say, oh, I feel terrible about this. I forgot to pay Graham Sunnis' 20 quid. Please, can you do it for me? And the next time I'm over, I'll give you the 20 quid. And Jose had disappeared off to Spurs and got the Spurs job. So we went there at Christmas time and saw uh, Jose. And uh, the cameras were filming as he came out and said hello. And he gave us a hug. He's a very warm fella like that. And and the first thing I said to him was, Jose, have you remembered the 20 quid that you owe Graham? And he uh, screamed F off uh, completely <laughs> and ran off back to his um, his office and then came scurrying back five minutes later with 20 quid and this vintage bottle of, of Dom Perignon, um, which I said to Graham, I, I will take home and look after and bring it um, on the Sunday to Spurs and unfortunately I forgot to take it to Spurs so then I spent uh, after we'd rehearsed on that day at Spurs um, Graham was was not happy that the champagne wasn't there so I had to go and chat to this hostess at, at um, the Spurs stadium and, and ask her to find me the best bottle of champagne that she had in the stadium which I then had to pay for and, and deliver at, at the end of the game so, so there you go. And I, but I will not drink that bottle of champagne. I'm going to, well, I will drink it with Graham eventually. <laughs> you mentioned the, the sweep that you do in terms of that. How competitive can that get with the guys? Because they're all very passionate, as are you about football. Yeah, lively. No, it does get lively. And, uh, you know, I think, I think um, you know, I'm not a, a supporter of any of the, the big clubs. So I go to these games, be it Old Trafford, Anfield, Etihad, um, without you know a, a preconceived wish that any team wins, I just want to see good football, and I want to see I want to see great storylines. That's what I get excited about. Callum as someone in my position, and I do get really excited about it and passionate about it. If we've got a great game, if goals are flying in, or there's a big story emerging, you know that's what that's what really motivates me and excites me. And and for the guys, similar really, you know, of course they. You know, Roy and Gary are very much coming from the Manchester United perspective and, and, and Jamie and Graham and the other Jamie uh, Liverpool perspective. But um, they're wise enough to know that um, sometimes their team uh, can't always win. And, and sometimes there's a bigger picture, which, which means that Sky are, are delivering great stories. What's been your favourite games to be involved in over the last couple of years? I find these questions really difficult, Callum, and I'll tell you why. I can't remember one game from the next. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm travelling every weekend and I'm going to a lot of games and I've been doing that, be it Football League or, or Premier League, for, for about 12 years. So I've, I've been to a lot of stadiums and, and watched a lot of football matches. And um, I suppose, given that, there's, there's one that stands out purely because of the intensity of the game and the quality of the game was the Liverpool-Man City 4-3 at Anfield. And, um, you know, Liverpool had a fantastic start and then tore into City and the noise and the atmosphere. And it was significant because, because Klopp's side really started to challenge City, who were peerless, really, up until that point. And um, it felt like something really exciting was happening in the Premier League. And it wasn't just that, it was the speed, the physicality of the teams. Everything about that game was intense. The fact that I can, the fact that it springs to mind tells me a, a lot about um, how significant that was. The, of course, there were some great games 
that same season between them in the Champions League. But that was the game that I went to and, and can remember clear as anything. I was thinking about it this morning, actually, Colin, because in an ordinary world, I would have been prepping today for um, Manchester City and Liverpool. Oh. Which was which was due to happen on Sunday, and and might have been the day that that Liverpool won the title. Um, those two teams are have been so far ahead of everybody else that it's just so exciting. In the last two or three years, going to games between Liverpool and Manchester City. Oh, those games, <clears throat> you're right, have been brilliant. And something I want to ask you about, actually, I forgot to ask a wee bit earlier, was Monday Night Football Retro. I thought that was a wonderful idea. Can we expect more of them in the future? It's hard to say, Callum. I mean, I just don't know what the picture looks like. And um, we were due to go on till nine o'clock that night. Uh, and there'd been discussion about whether I should be sent to the studio in the first place because of what was happening. And then when I got there, we heard that Boris Johnson was going to speak at 8.30. So we decided we needed to curtail the programme till 8.30 and, and come off air and listen to what he got to say, which is, of course, the lockdown. And um, while we're in that situation, we won't be doing any more of those programmes. It was hard enough, really, to do uh, logistically with us being in different places because you, you can't get that chemistry of conversation going. Um, I think that social distancing is here to stay for the medium term. So I would imagine that when the uh, lockdown restrictions are lifted, which I wouldn't think will, will happen for another month or so, um, we'll be doing more of that before we actually start watching live football again. Good answer. Um, in terms of yourself, Dave, you're a very passionate football fan. <clears throat> you're involved with your club as well. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, what's that like? Um, it's great. It's exciting. Uh, it's challenging, <clears throat> worrying, um, <laughs> frustrating in, in large, in large spades. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the biggest challenge for me is, is the geography. And, uh, now I'm a non-executive director, which, which means that I'm not expected to be there all the time. I'm there to sort of give a, a guidance and an overview of, of my appreciation of certain situations and advise and counsel around that. But that's not really how I like to operate generally. I mean, when I was at Oxford, uh, before that, I, I worked there for three years as a non-executive director. And, and some some days I did 11, some months I did 11 days, you know, where I was, I was there a couple of times a week on the training ground, around the offices. Slightly different operation because it was much smaller football club and therefore much smaller staff. So you, you were able to have relationships with everybody at the football club. I still don't know a lot of people at Sunderland. Um, it, it's, I, I wish that there was better transport links there because the train takes forever. Um, but hopefully Grand Central will do something about that when the new world emerges. And... Um, you know, it takes the best part of two days for me to, to have a meeting in Sunderland. So that, that's problematic. Um, so I have to do a lot of it on the phone, uh, over email. I've, I've been doing several emails this morning before you, um, before we got chatting. Um, but I'd like to be able to be there more and, and have an impact on the ground um, because it's a great football club. It's an exciting time. I don't know what the the short-term future is, is, is the honest answer. But I think there's there's a... Everyone knows that the potential of the club and I will hopefully will be there um, as we emerge from the darkness. 
in terms of your love of Sunderland, who were your heroes growing up and what's your favourite memories of supporting the club? Well, my first hero was a guy called Gary Rowell, who who was a superstar striker for Sunderland in the late 70s and, and early 80s. And uh, I got to know Gary a little bit. Um, he, he then worked on local media for a long time and he's still sort of in and around the club a little bit. Smashing guy, great goal scorer. I suppose it's always been the goal scorers for me. So when we slipped to the third division last time, we bounced straight back because of, of this partnership between Eric Gates and Marco Gabbiadini. And Marco, um, again, did really well, um, having got promotion straight away, which it was just a bull of a centre forward. He was fabulous. He was so powerful. And um, I used to copy his trademark goal, which was to charge down the left flank, cut in into the penalty area, and, and then slam the ball with his right foot back to come from. You know, I used to practice that in the same way that Marco would, would do it week in, week out for Sunderland. And he's he works um, in local media, so see him a lot. And uh, Kevin Phillips is the other one who, when I was a bit older, and that was probably my favourite time watching Sunderland because I travelled a bit then and watched them away from home as well with my brother. And uh, that that era under Peter Reid where we, we bounced up to promotion, then got relegated and then bounced back within two seasons but got like 98 points and then 105 points in the championship and then finished seventh twice in a row in the Premier League uh, before it turned sour and, and we weren't we didn't just scrape into seventh we were sort of third at Christmas and second after 10 games and, and really challenging the, the big clubs and, and Sunderland was a, a team to be feared at that point and, and you know that they were my favourite days and then following since then really it's only been the Roy Keane era, where we, we had, a, again, a brief flurry and felt good about ourselves. Um, so I'm hoping that the, the roots are there now with this team, who I would say are have got the right motivation. They're a really good bunch of lads and uh, good characters. We just need to add a little bit more quality, and um, I think we'll be moving in the right direction again. I've got to ask the obvious question. Um, when you anchor a Sunderland game, what's that like? I've not done it for a while. <clears throat> the last one I did, uh, I can't actually remember the last one I did. Maybe it was, maybe I did a game at the Stadium of Light in the relegation season when uh, we lost heavily at home to Manchester City, and it was it was a struggle. I suppose my natural response has always been was always to be more critical, and because I'm obviously thinking like a fan, and so I'd probably be a bit more critical of the manager. By coincidence, I was working as a pitch side reporter um, the day that Peter Reid had his last game as Sunderland manager, um, which was at Arsenal, I think. And I also did one of Howard Wilkinson's last game when he was manager, which again was a home defeat by Manchester City. Uh, and the natural response is to be more, more critical um, because you're feeling the passion of the fans, but I don't. I don't think it affects me too much, Callum. If, if I'm honest, because I'm I'm able to be professional enough where I take a step back and and remember there are two sides in this game. It's not just the Sunderland game. Um, Sky's been my bread and butter, and I, I suppose that is in me that that sort of you know that sense of of um, of balance and fairness. So I, you know, I'd even think that if I did a game now, I, I would be able to to do that in a in a pretty professional manner without getting too carried away about the red and whites. Sounds good. I'd like to finish with a round of quick fire questions. First right. of all, who would you say have been your favourite players to watch in the Premier League in your lifetime? 
Roy Keane, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. Just loved his drive and his energy and his fight and his character and his ability. I saw him play at Sunderland once and I was just blown away, blown away by him. Um, Thierry Henry, because I thought he was just on a different level. And um, he just, just used to glide across the pitch. And it didn't seem fair that he was playing sometimes because he was better than everybody else. They'd be my top two, probably. Oh, crikey. Top of my head. Um, I'm trying to think who I like watching now, who I think's um, a great player. I get, I get excited about young players, Callum, I suppose, now. So, you know, if I think through the, the top clubs, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold is someone who I love watching and I just think he's an unbelievable footballer and he could be anything. He could be absolutely anything. Um, Manchester United, when Marcus Rashford is flying, is an absolute joy to watch. Um, who else? Um, I'm excited about um, Foden at Manchester City because I just don't think we've produced a footballer like that before. And well, certainly not for years and years. Someone who can play like that on a half turn, uh, can go on both feet, can dribble with the ball, can pass, can shoot, can head it has got the energy to get around the pitch. I mean, wow, what what a player he is. And uh, I hope next year we, we start to see him on a more regular basis. Other than uh, the Stadium of Light, what are your favourite football grounds to watch football at? New Spurs is nice. They look after you there as well. Um, I always like going to Arsenal because we've got an amazing lady called Rani who looks after us. And uh, it's a nice nice place to work and it's not too far from, from my house. Um, that's a benefit. I, I love going to the big stadium like everybody else. You know, I love going to... Um, I love going to Anfield because of because of the atmosphere. That's that's special. Um, but I, you know, I get joy in all in all places. You know, when you, when you've got like um, a small club or a smaller stadium that that sometimes comes into the Premier League, like a Fulham or something like that. You know, I love the charm of those places and and the kind of the atmosphere that they generate. Watford, I like going to because it's got a great atmosphere. It's only a small stadium, but. Crikey, they make a heck of a lot of noise. Um, Goodison is is one of the worst studios because it's cramped and it's tiny and it's cold. But we have a brilliant position in the corner, right on the edge of the pitch, and we get a fantastic view there. And and again, the atmosphere there when it when it's going well for them it is brilliant. So, you know, I, I'm it's, it's it's one of those times, Callum, when you are reflective and I think about. Um, all these grounds I love going to. I, you know, I can't think of, of too many bad experiences, to be honest. If, if you were a player at the moment, which manager would you choose to play under and why? Uh, I think that Jurgen Klopp is an extraordinary human being, not just an extraordinary football manager. So... Uh, he would inspire me without doubt and he would inspire that devotion. Uh, but I also look at Pep and I think he's an absolute master of his of his field and he's so passionate and intense. And I've seen both sides of Pep. I've seen the relaxed Pep off camera who I really enjoy uh, spending time with and speaking to. I find him a really, really great guy. And um, there's the other Pep who's the intense driven one. Um, so those two would be um, a bit of a cop-out to, to say too, but those two would be top of my lips right now, probably. I've got two questions to put you on the spot with. First of mm -hmm. all, 
you're a football manager, you're asked to sign a defender, you're given the option, Jamie Carragher or Gary Neville, who do you sign? Well, being a football manager, I would think about the nuance of that question, Callum, and I would think, um, do I need... I would think about their characters as well, and they're both very similar characters, both natural leaders, I would say. I would think about how quiet my dressing room is. Does it need a bit more Gary Neville chip in there to get people on, or does it need the sort of fire and passion in the belly of, of Carragher? Um, do I need someone more to play centre-half or could switch to right-back? Oh, it's a tough one, that, isn't it? <laughs> um, well, I, don't know, I don't honestly know. I don't know. Last question, Dave, um, is you've worked with some incredible pundits over the years, fellow presenters, um, managers, etc. If you had to pick a five-a-side team from your colleagues at Sky, who would be in it? Do I need a goalkeeper? You decide. You don't have to. Um, I'm going for Thierry. Okay. First, Roy Keane. Uh, it's not a bad team already, is it? Absolutely. I'll uh, go for Graham Souness in his pomp. I don't think we're going to lose too many matches here. Uh, who else would I go for? You see, that that's where my memory starts to fade and I think about all these incredible people that I've had on Monday Night Football uh, as guests. Wayne Rooney, so he could play. Um, well, David Ginola, he was good when he came on Monday Night Football. I like a bit of flair in my team. So I'm going to go in without any defenders. I'm going to go soon as keen as my sort of defensive midfield players and have flair in my team. Brilliant, Dave. Thanks for joining me. Callum, it's been a pleasure. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make her 